Absolutely. I would put it this way. And I'm not saying that we're like this, but you can almost have a mediocre program and have a stellar enablement program and you'll succeed. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram, you're welcome to another fun episode and series, I might say, because this is Tuesday Takeover, and it has been fantastic just to see so many incredible people do it. And this series is, is run by none other than Megan French, who is, a load, who, who, is a, who is a founder, and I was just going to say the founder and CEO and strategy, because you do so many things, Megan, right? Yes, I do a lot of things. <laughs> but uh, so Megan French, who is the founder uh, of Lotus Growth, they're all about demand, revenue, ABM. And, and she came up with this amazing team and four speakers that she's going to have each day. So first of all, Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and it's been wonderful to do these interviews. That's good. So what one inspired you to do these interviews? Let's start there. Yeah. So the inspiration really was we work on a, a lot of ABM development for different size companies. And, it's, and ABM is really reaching like a critical mass of awareness now. And what I wanted to, to get are what are some really like tactical and strategic case studies from marketing leaders that are actually running ABM campaigns and programs at different sizes of organizations. And so I wanted, you know, listeners to this podcast to be able to find their kind of B2B company in any one of these interviews, whether or not they're just starting with ABM and maybe have a smaller budget, or if they have an enterprise size company and they're trying to sell in the enterprise, what are the, the strategies, tactics, vision that they can use to be inspired to really leverage ABM as a strategy? And I also think that sometimes the ABM conversation gets centered around specific technology or specific tools as like sort of an all-in-one solution. But in reality, and what we learn from these interviews is it's, it's much more of a cultural shift that needs to happen and organization to center all your go-to-market teams around an account-based approach. And so that's what we really explored in the conversations. And I love the theme, Megan, because this is so true where ABM is a strategy not a tactic. So who is the first person you're going to interview on this? Yeah. So the first person that I reached out to is Shari Johnson and she is wonderful. So she's with Winning by Design, which probably a lot of B2B companies know about. They do a lot of sales strategy, but now they're moving into the ABM space. And and Shari has been a marketing leader at a lot of, you know, wonderful organizations and is now moving into being a consultant. And what I found really interesting about her perspective, and actually I know this too from just being a consultant, is that you get to see best practices across organizations and get to see like, what are the challenges across organizations and how can I bring my my learnings from successful organizations and apply them to companies that are maybe having challenges right now. So that conversation was just so interesting to sort of see the best practices and how she's implementing them in a, in a systematic way. That's fantastic. So let's go. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, Megan. Thank you. We're happy to have you. Okay, so can you give me a summary of what you do at OneLogin and how long you've been with the company? Yeah, so uh, I'm on the marketing team at OneLogin. I'm running digital demand gen and marketing operations. I've been here for about, I, think I just hit my, actually I hit my 14 months today. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah, and uh, I was brought in to mainly run demand gen, but uh, digital and marketing operations actually is kind of married into the function. And since starting, I've been kind of in charge of running the global integrated campaigns for our commercial and enterprise segments. And along the way, uh, it's not just marketing. We're kind of in the digital data age, and it's building predictability into the process and just working really closely with our sellers. Oh, interesting. Can you tell me what are some of the strategies that you use to work with your sellers? Yeah. Whenever I interview anyone or I tell anybody about the role, I mean, I, I think of myself as kind of 60% marketing and 60% sales. Mm, um, yeah. and I'm not really in the field or on the phone as much, but working really closely with, with sales is, is kind of the secret to success in the role in marketing. Obviously, with, with marketing, it's the activities, it's the messaging, it's the campaigns, and the tactics. And in B2B, it's driving leads and, and turning that into opportunities in business. But in order to get that to happen, it's not really like throwing it over the fence. Right. You do have to work very closely with your sales teams. Most companies have uh, very different types of sales teams. Um, ours are defined by segments and global regions. And everywhere it's different. And depending on uh, what types of businesses we're selling to, it's very different. So the campaigns that we run are very different. The tactics are very different. The needs of the reps are very different. So it's kind of my job to figure all the head out and come back with uh, a recommendation and execution plan on how to, how to fill their, their pipeline. Interesting. Can you give some just sort of tactical tips on how you operationalize your work with sales? Do you have regular meetings with them or one-on-ones? How are some of the ways that you operationalize that collaboration? Yeah, you know, and you know, I think it changes over time with new technology and just, you know, how people work. I mean, the, the way work is changing, it's all different. I think having regular meetings with leaders are very important. And, you know, these need, these need to be one-on-ones or maybe closer, closed, smaller settings have meetings, but also meeting with the reps, not just their managers, but the reps themselves in, uh, in, in their own settings. And then making yourself available through email and Slack and text message if need to. <laughs> Interesting. That's great. And do you have... Any like formal processes for iterating on your campaigns based on sales feedback? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, right? I mean, with any campaign in marketing, you, you can't just go off and run it on your own and right. not take feedback. You know, and we, we, as much as we'd like to, we'd like to get it right the first time. But it's always a learning process, especially for us. We're, we're kind of growing and we're, we're moving into different segments and, and moving up to the enterprise and, and selling into new industries. So as we kind of bring those new new parts of the business in, you know, we have to change our process and change our messaging. Sales feedback is the most important, right? In our regular syncs, I mean, with the team meetings, with the manager meetings, with the rep meetings, listening on calls, just sourcing feedback in the kitchen. I mean, any type of feedback we get, we don't dissect it and, and act fully upon it. We do kind of create a way to, or at least I create a way to incorporate on in a structured manner and really only take in the things that, that more than one person is saying. I guess an example I could, I could use is, uh, you know, whenever we launch new messaging or playbooks or um, content on the website, you know, we'll, we'll deliver that to the sales team and they'll use it, they'll put it in their emails, they'll offer it to their prospects. But sometimes we'll get the feedback that, you know, 
we're sending it out and it, it isn't quite working. We're not getting the, the email replies or, or people aren't quite really interested or they're not actually reading it after I give it to them. So feedback like that helps us tweak things like titles and what we say, the next type of content that we build. Oh, that's interesting that you A-B test based on sales feedback. Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is A-B testing, but there's also just, you just kind of have to look at these things and say, hey, does it make sense or does it make sense? Sometimes you kind of get right. into this mindset of being a marketer and we're constantly optimizing based on numbers. But sometimes if you just read it out loud or say it out loud, <laughs> if it makes sense, then yeah, you should do it. And if it doesn't, really think right. about it. Yeah, no, totally. I think, yeah, we can, we can get sort of overly data driven sometimes as marketers and the qualitative feedback is really important as well. And structured, right. and structured feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit um, about your ABM strategy and was, if the, was this something that you started putting an ABM program together when you started working with one login or did an ABM program already exist? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, to my knowledge, we did not have an official account-based marketing program one long ago when I started. And that was part of my new role when I joined. And just to give you a little bit more background, we've been selling really well into smaller businesses um, mm-hmm. ever since one long has been around. And uh, to move into the enterprise and start selling into enterprise businesses, that selling motion, but that also marketing motion is very different. Um, and that's kind of where the, the whole idea, idea of ABM kind of started. And we've definitely had many iterations of what that means. But if you really think about ABM, it's an acronym. It's this hot acronym that's been around the last three years. But, but really, the methodology has been around the last three decades. Or yeah. More, right? Yeah. Who doesn't target accounts and sell to people they think they can sell to, <laughs> right, to, 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 right. to make money? But for us, it was actually not just, we didn't look at it as a way of just selling or marketing, but it was a way to also create this program, this curriculum, this process that, that's kind of like a template where all of our go-to-market teams come together and they know their part in moving the needle for the business or for the sales team or for that segment or for that industry mm-hmm. and executing against that and working together to make sure it, it, it actually We actually do have a kind of larger ABM program. So it is uh, across segments and it is global. And I'd say one of the challenges there is you can't just deploy one ABM program and expect that it's going to all work perfectly fine in one region and the other. You tend to learn as, as you go that different regions have different, different types of tactics that you have to use and different types of culture in terms of uh, how you reach out and how you follow up. And different types of businesses also need to be marketed and followed up in, in a different way, mainly SMBs, which is enterprise. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, the processes there are are very different. So you mentioned that you have sort of an ABM template. Could you talk a little bit about just briefly what that template looks like um, in terms of go-to-market strategy and how, let's say you're building out an ABM program for a new segment or territory. Where do you begin with that? Totally. So I think that the word template might get me caught up a little bit, but where, uh-huh. I'll, where I'll start explaining this would be, kind of how you get started, mm-hmm. right? Well, first, you have to have full buy-in from all your go-to-market teams, right? So we define go-to-market here as sales, partners, and marketing. And ABM does have the word marketing in it. But when I actually talk about it or deploy it to the entire company, it's, it's account-based marketing and selling. It's not mm-hmm. just the marketer or the marketing team that owns this. The sales teams own this and, and the partner teams have a hand in it. So step one is definitely basically build out this program, what you think this program is going to be like, what are the inputs you need from each one of these go-to-market teams, 
and propose it, right? The most important next step is getting buy-in from all of the leaders up top and having their managers also deploy it to all the reps on, on, on the ground. If you don't have alignment at the top, you definitely won't get alignment on the rep level. I see this a lot with um, clients that I work work with. What are some of the ways that you get buy-in for an account-based program from leadership? Is it something where ABM is popular enough now that leadership knows that they need to be doing it? Or how do you sell that initiative internally? Yeah. Well, you, you don't really need to sell ABM, right? It's right. always the outcome that you want. I mean, right. the outcome that we wanted was we want to sell into new territories, new, new larger size companies, and we wanted to do it with more of an outbounding prospect way of doing it than relying on our inbound marketing tactics, right? And when you kind of explain it in that way, then it's kind of a new way of selling. And if it's a new way of selling, you definitely have to get buy-in from the top. So when we announced this, after we kind of worked through all the kinks of, you know, V2, V2, sorry, V1 through V3 and got to V3, um, our CMO and our chief revenue officer uh, went together hand-in-hand in, in, hand in lockstep and deployed this out to the entire company on our, um, on our sales and marketing call that we have every two weeks. And we basically announced what this program was, what it means for marketing, what it means for AEs, what it means for SDRs, what it would mean for partners, and kind of at a high level, explain the whole program and how it all works together and the benefit of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is really important because prior to having this official announcement, you know, we, we did kind of have a V1 and V2 version of it, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't widely adopted. And it wasn't adopted not because the program wasn't great. It's just that you have to understand anytime you deploy anything to a large group of people, there are definitely other things that they're already working on, right? They didn't right. join the company. They don't, they're not in their roles. They're not, they're not waiting for you to tell them what to do. A lot of times they're doing tens of millions of things already, right? I'm exaggerating. Mm-hmm. But in order to actually prioritize, you know, something as important as ABM, where there's a focus aspect to it and an investment aspect to it, you do have to have your buy-in from t- up top to uh-huh. deploy it um, all the way across the company. Um, so we did that. And um, I got to say, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight. But I'd say after about three weeks or so, three to four weeks, it's almost kind of like magic. I mean, from, from my vantage point as a marketer, just to see the, the, the buy-in and the questions and the leaning in on this marketing program from the reps. You know, I've worked at other companies before and we've de- we de- I've definitely been around other account-based marketing programs before. And usually getting started is the hardest part. And when you dissect that, it is, it is the buy-in. Once you get past that and you have everyone's attention and you do your job right, people are going to buy in. I mean, theoretically, if you're running a marketing program, target at accounts for each, each rep, that means every single rep has a set of accounts that marketing has adopted and is committed to making successful. Who would not want that, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to be, if you're successful and, and making their jobs easier, then they're going to be all in on it pretty quickly. So yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about just operationally, like, it sounds like what the way that you deployed ABM or Guide was that you had ABM lists for specific reps and then were you, and they were calling down those lists. And then did you also have marketing programs or, you know, ad personalization, anything like that to support the sales reps or, or how did, how did you sort of create and deploy your yeah. ABM program? Yeah, totally. So sequentially, it's definitely getting the strategy, which I which, which I talked about, and we got by it, yeah. and we deployed it, right? We've announced it. And then the next two pieces are kind of the operations piece, and then there's the, the execution piece, right? So the operations right. piece is you got to make sure that 
each rep can actually do this, right? Mm -hmm. If they have to choose accounts or accounts are chosen for them, there needs to be a way operationally for them to see it, for them to agree to it, for them to know about it, and for them to work with other counterparts that help them make their number, right? So in, in our example, for one of our AEs to be really successful, they have a SDR that supports them. They obviously have a marketing team that supports them. But they also have a business development counterpart on the partner team that also supports them, right? You need to make sure that on the account level, the accounts that's chosen, the contacts within those accounts, and any type of data that we have is at their feet. So operationally, making that available is important. And then on the execution piece, it's, well, first on the marketing side, it's, it's kind of looking at what you have at your fingertips, right? Depending on how advanced you are or, or where you are in your tech stack or your, your, your headcount and what, what, what specialized subject matter experts in marketing that you have, those are typically the first types of programs that you can deploy, right? So for us, we're actually kind of advanced. And, well, I think we're advanced. Mm-hmm. But we have uh, a very heavy tech stack that uh, we already had, right? And we were kind of building this maybe even five months before officially redeploying ABM that was already completely enabled. It was really just uh, turning those on, re- recalibrating how we use those, and pulling in other other data sources to make it successful. And uh, then you look at your budget and what types of tactics that you're running, right? So at a high level, I would think everybody would have a paid search strategy, an organic search strategy. Uh, a website strategy, a bunch of paid acquisition tactics, and some sponsorships and events, right? Mm-hmm. Those are usually at the high level, the different types of levers you can pull as a B2B marketing company. So we have all those levers. And for, for us to execute, it's really to marry your MarTech stack with the data that you have and the inputs from sales into these, I guess, marketing channels and defining in each one how much of it can be ABM specific and how much of it needs to be product. Mm-hmm. At a high level, that's how I think about it. Yeah. And can you, so a couple follow-up questions. So in terms of what is the ratio, I mean, what I'm seeing with my clients and just B2B in general is a, the marketing spend is, is moving towards ABM-based campaigns and away from sort of broad-based inbound air cover campaigns. And marketers are more and more interested in doing marketing initiatives where they can target specific accounts. Can you talk a little bit about just like the ratio of your budget? What do you spend on ABM specific campaigns versus just, let's say, air cover campaigns or demand, general demand gen? Campaigns? Yeah, totally. Totally. I get the question. You know, I would actually say I focus on both. It's equally important to focus on ABM, but equally important to focus on the broad. I mm-hmm. mean, for us, we, we, we're, we're a startup, right? We're we're definitely growing and there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity out there, right? And, and, and the chances are, you know, even in your fifth re- re- revision of your ABM program, you're still probably missing out on, on, on some companies you should be selling. Mm-hmm. So there still needs to be a, a broad approach, right? And uh, if you're asking me about like the percentage split, well, I would think, um, and the way, and this is how we announced it and deployed it to the company, ABM is the primary way of selling right. for us in 2019. Every single AE, every single SDR, these are accounts that we have all chosen to spend time on, agree to spend time on, and spend investment dollars on. So the curriculum, the sales enablement, the marketing campaigns, the, the marketing enablement, it's all focused on making these groups of accounts successful and, and moving them kind of across the line to, to becoming a customer. Uh, with that said, if you kind of, as a marketer, and you look at your tactics, you're probably wondering, well, not everything can be account-based, right? right. There's just not um, an accurate level of way to, to 
for instance, go into your Google AdWords search campaign and say, you know what, I want right. all my brand germs to come from these accounts. It, right. just, it just isn't possible, right? Right, and also there's other, you know, like branding and and you know awareness. Like there's other things that are important in marketing that isn't account based. So I'm just always curious, like how much a budget uh, marketers are spending on on that more general inbound stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I've I've definitely asked people too. I didn't I didn't just learn how to do this from right. not talking to people <laughs> yeah, totally. or listening to this podcast. I definitely listened to this podcast and, and learned a lot too. But you know, it, it, it changes. I mean, I've seen I, I've heard people go from twenty percent to thirty percent to even fifty or sixty percent ABM mm. versus broad. And my wisdom would tell me I'm not saying that I'm really wise, but it's different across different parts of your business. So, you know, I think about the mix a little bit different for my enterprise business versus my commercial business. Mm-hmm. Uh, with commercial, I mean, these are usually sales cycles that are a little shorter. The, the, the prospects that we get, uh, we actually get a lot of them from inbound. And, you know, these are people that we may have not even engaged with before. Mm-hmm. So these are types of folks that we do rely on, rely heavier on tactics like digital and, and all the paid acquisition tactics right. to get them in. For our enterprise, right? Like, for the most part, we kind of know all the companies we'd want to sell to, and right. we know the people that work there. I mean, you have tools like Discover.org and LinkedIn that basically right. tell you these, 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 these trees of, of, you know, who's the C-level, who's the VP and director and manager, right? You, you have that at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, good chances are, in your database. So in terms of, you know, looking at the mix, we may not need to spend money on bringing in new leads for enterprise. It's more about engagement tactics, right? Right. Whereas for commercial business, it's, it is about bringing in. So yeah. I think the, the, the percentage mix is a little bit different depending on kind of those factors in, in your business. And for us, it's definitely different. Yeah. And I've definitely found that to be true that the more enterprise focused a business, the, the less acquisition focused they should be and the more engagement focused they should be. And then, like you said, with SMBs, like there, there's a bajillion SMBs that you could sell to. So that's where you want to be, you know, spinning up acquisition programs. Yep. Yeah. Some, some number like 6 million or something I've seen. Yeah. Wow. Pulls that on the census. <laughs> yeah. So going back, can you talk, you talked a little bit about how you have a pretty robust MarTech stack. Can you just talk through, especially on the ABM side, like what does your MarTech stack look like? What technology do you find to be, Essential to deploying these ABM programs. Yeah. Well, I mean, this goes without saying, but uh, CRM like Salesforce, right? We, right? we use Salesforce and getting everyone on Salesforce is important. I mean, companies have Salesforce, but are all reps using it? Some, some reps do and some reps don't. And, oh. and I, I would say getting all your reps at least using it, looking at it and pulling information from it is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so Salesforce is our sales sales database of record, and then we also use Marketo as our marketing database of record. And kind of the tools that we use to support that, and all of all of these tools go through one or both of these tools um, in some way, would be something for web personalization, right? So we we, we deploy um, very custom experiences based on industry and segment for when you come to our website. Mm-hmm. Talked about just uh, the difference between difference and mix between commercial and enterprise, and kind of measuring what's more engagement focused and what's more lead gen focused. So we use something like a visible. We also have uh, sales tools, right? Like you know something like the sales loft or intercom, out, outreach, those types of things. We have lead lander, engageo. Engageo has been key to, to for our ABM program. 
And mainly it's because it unlocks kind of the marketing activity for sales, right? Sales reps can go into any account right now and see what support they're getting for marketing on a daily basis. Uh, and that's super important. And as with tools like this, you definitely have to um, provide some level of support uh, and enablement and training, right? So it's not one of those things where you train a team once and they're going to get it. I'd say you probably have to train your teams on any tool or, or anything probably six times in at least once a month for six months just to get everybody wow. at maybe 50%. And, you know, and I think when I, when I used to do this, I would think, wow, it, it's really tough training people. It's either people aren't receptive or I'm really bad at training. And it might be a little bit of both. But what I'm learning is people have a lot of competing priorities and it's hard to enable. And anything you ever deploy, uh, and this is my learning, is you just have to make sure it, it's fully enabled. You can't just buy it, put it in place, and not make sure that people are using it. That's, that's when things are going to fail, right? Um, and then some other tools we have are, are web analytics tools like Google Analytics. We have some predictive things like you know, Tech Target, Lead Space. Uh, I think I mentioned Bombora. And then what's been key for kind of the exec leadership team and, and kind of at my level is really robust dashboards in Domo where I could, uh, and, and Tableau too, if you're a Tableau shop, to see this data and be able to slice and dice it at any given hour of the day. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've found that tech adoption is a huge issue um, within organizations as well. Would you say that that the training is the key thing that you do to get your teams enabled on new technology? Are there any other tactics or strategies that you use to increase? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I would put it this way. And I'm not saying that we're like this, but you can almost have a mediocre program and have a stellar enablement program and you'll succeed. You know, it's not about the number of tactics that you run. I don't uh -huh. think it's, you know, the number of tools that you buy or the amount of data that you have. But if you even just do like one or two or three things right, but you're able to enable your sales team to even at like 60 to 70 percent, you're definitely going to see success. That's a, lot a really of this interesting is, insight. Yeah, a lot of this, I think, is, you know, you know, scoping out the program and being smart and making it cool and doing all this cool stuff. But you know, really it's about changing behavior, right? Like, or, 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 yeah. or resetting behavior on what ABM is. People know how to sell into accounts. People know how to focus. You just have to kind of build in a little bit of support and build in some, some really cool tactics to make that happen a little bit better mm -hmm. and it'll work. That's interesting. Yeah, so really focusing on uh, enabling the sales team to do their job well, and that is sort of the secret sauce to ABM. Yeah, yeah. yeah, enable the sales team, you know, your, your marketing team, right. everybody. Everybody needs to be right. learning and getting better and, and knowing how to use these things better. Yeah. And I wouldn't buy more or add more or do more unless you, you're doing the things that you're already doing well. Yeah, yeah, true. Can you talk about, let's see, challenges you might not have anticipated when you begun building out your ABM program? Like what were problems that you ran into that you didn't know were there until you ran into them? Yeah, you know, I think um, we kind of touched on this too, but just kind of finding that mix between our segments and our global regions. Uh huh. That's a little bit difficult, right? I, you know, I think the, the hardest part of getting started is getting started. And once you're getting, once you're started, you just have to make sure you're, you're, you're measuring and set expectations. So actually, that, that would be another one. Setting expectations with your exec team on when you'll see results is also kind of important. It's uh -huh. not, ABM isn't one of those things that if you've never done before and you started it, you started the program within three months, you're going to see, Oh my God, you know, 20, 30% of my business is coming from this thing we just launched. No, it's not going to happen like that. 
So it's more going to happen like, you know, 5% in the first quarter, 10% in the next quarter, 50% in the third quarter, you know, 60%. You know, it's, it's more like that. I think setting that expectation up front is, um, is definitely very important. And there are still things that I, there's still parts of the ABM program I'm still trying to figure out, right? Like the right mix between the segments and the regions, the messaging to use, right? That's an age old marketing question, right? What messaging should I be using for this industry versus that industry? And as you get really, really good at, at, at coming up with these uh, recommendations and as you grow as a business, there's always new things that you're going to have to learn. That's just part of the job. I'd also say incorporating partners was, was, was kind of big for us. When we first launched this, we, you know, we were thinking more of this as kind of a marketing-led program that, that we would enable the sales and they would just take advantage of it, right? Then I kind of found out that the enablement piece was, was so important. And then also, integrating the partner team is, is also crazy helpful. I mean, you know, you have a team. I mean, most B2B organizations have this. Teams that work with uh, other partners or other resellers that have a book of business that they could easily walk you into. It, it, it really is as simple as calling up or going over to your counterpart's desk on the partner team mm-hmm. and showing them your list and sitting down for maybe an hour or maybe 30 minutes every week and going through that list and mapping a partner to walk you through into the account. And once you walk through that account, I mean, either you have the, the, the introduction or you can do some co-marketing, co-events, right? Like the, 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 the amount of tactics that you can add to the program kind of build. And uh, that was kind of an aha moment for me. And what we're always trying to get better is measuring the funnel of this, right? We're kind of in our second, third quarter of, 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 of this new revision. And uh, I can't say that it's foolproof, but uh, it's, it's continually making it better. And you, you just have to have that mindset. Right, right. And can you talk a little bit, so in terms of enabling your partners and partnering with your, your partner reps, do you just literally bring the account list over to them and say, you know, which of our partners might have an inroad to these accounts and they would know? Or what are some tactics there that you would recommend using to really get partner on, partnerships on board? Yeah, I'd have to say it really is as easy as that. It's really okay. just going to your internal partner counterpart at your company and then being introduced to their counterparts at any of the other partners, uh, the other right. firms that they work with. And having that call, right, and, and, and really being human about it and uh, developing, developing that relationship and that rapport. Where we've seen that it doesn't work is when, you know, you just kind of talk about it and then you, you get on the phone and you share your list and you're like, hey, go get me these deals. It doesn't work. It's all about, it's all about building rapport with kind of these other folks that can help you bring you into other businesses and building that rapport first. Right. And it, it just starts to work. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I'm a partner with a lot of technology companies and I find the, the central question really is like, how do we serve the end customer better? And what can we do together to really enable the customer to be successful? So if that's the question that you're asking, then, you know, you're going to be successful with in partnerships. If, if the question is not, how do we get these deals? But it's how do we help our customers be successful? Then it's useful. Yeah, help your customers and also help your partners, right? If if, if you right. you're bring you could be bringing business to them and they could be bring, bringing business to you in return. Yeah, totally. Okay, so last question: What are you currently obsessed with in marketing or ABM? Is there any like new tech or anything that you're looking into that you're excited about? Yeah, uh, definitely. I just came back from the Adobe Summit last week and yeah. uh, met some cool people and, and things and. Kind of top of mind would be automation, mm. um, and automation is already 
you know, that we, we've been definitely on that theme for, for the past year, you know, just finding ways to, to make things happen quicker and using less manpower and less man hours to make it happen. Right. You know, that's top of mind. So this is something that I've, I've, it seems like a lot of vendors are working on, but no one quite has the nut cracked yet for like account level automation. And so that is something that's really interesting to me um, to be able to automate at the account level rather than, you know, at a campaign or a more mass level like Marketo would do. That is, is that sort of what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So for example, like what you're saying is, you know, for us, we have, we have all these tools. We have Marketo, we have Engageo, we have, we have, um, uh, Google Analytics, all this first-party data on, on accounts, right? We, we have demand base fed into uh, GA so we can see what accounts are doing. But we, we have all this first-party data. We also have third-party data from all these other really cool partners. It's like we, we know what they're doing with us. We know what they're interested in when they're not engaged with us. I mean, that is like almost a crystal ball, right? Mm. And feeding that information into your, into your, your maybe uh, ad buying platform or using that information and feeding into your sales with alerts on, hey, you know, this, this account has been doing all these things with us and they just started looking for single sign-on, which is what we sell. Mm. We should call them, right? Like, and and there, there's these 15 people that we already know in the account. And of these 15, seven of them have engaged with us in the last three months, right? Just yeah. kind of just being able to see that in a very easy place yeah. would be something uh, a sales rep can use. Yeah. It could also be the same thing that I could use in, in one of my other um, ad buying platforms and literally deploy ads based right. on that behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you pulling uh, in intent data to um, to get that information? Yeah, we've got a few vendors that provide it to us. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some vendors are, are more streamlined than others, but the ones that are streamlined, they're definitely either feeding into Marketo or Salesforce. And the ones that aren't, you know, me and my team, we we kind of use the we kind of look at that data and we kind of scrub it ourselves, and we kind of mm-hmm. we we become that recommendation engine. Like, hey, uh-huh. we can see all the same things you're seeing, but we can also see these few extra things. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Kind of on that weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, oh, and sorry, I kind of cut, cut you off there about obsessions and marketing. Anything else that you want to... Uh, yeah. So custom profiles is interesting, right? Like, yeah. you know, we have the first party, third party intent data. We have product usage data. We have engagement with through, through our sales reps in their notes. And, you know, it'd be really cool if we could just kind of put all that data into like a data lake and kind of segment some audiences out. And based on what our product marketing team is telling us, is telling us that you know who our, our ideal customer profiles are, mm-hmm. and then I'm kind of looking at our demand and digital tactics and, and figuring out what works for those uh, for those profiles, and literally building automation into these profiles and having it just go out there and find me more and, and, and nurturing. That would be so cool. Wow. And I know a few folks that are already doing that. That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're so so much that's possible to do these days and it's just probably about like linking up a lot of the technology and getting it working for you but yeah but i'll say i'll say one more too i'll tell you one more that i think is important and we probably really don't uh, think about this but it's it's building consistency too Mm -hmm. right at times we kind of you know train our reps and at times we kind of deploy these programs and we use all these things and we build all this messaging right and it, it gets kind of overwhelming overwhelming internally right if it's overwhelming internally it's definitely overwhelming for your prospects if you can't really quite succinctly tell the story that you're looking at how are your customers and prospects going to be able to decode that right so in any in you know even behind the curtain when it's when things are so complex right you need to find a way to simplify it 
and build consistency, mm. which has been kind of the hardest part. Interesting. Yeah. Do you mean consistency in terms of pipeline generation or just consistency? Oh, I see. Yeah. No, no, no. So more, more like consistency with messaging, right? Uh -huh. like, yeah. Like for example, our ABM yeah. account, you know, we train our reps to do this and, and do that and say this, right? Right. On our marketing campaigns, we, 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 we put these emails in there, we put these ads right. in there. Uh, we're promoting these, uh, these ebooks and these, um, these white papers. Right. But is it done in a way where if right. we're, we are truly doing our jobs and marketing to the right people, are they seeing a consistent message? Uh -huh. Are we talking about A and they're seeing B? You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and that is equally as important as doing the cool stuff. Yeah, no, that's true. And it's something where, especially if you're selling into multiple segments or multiple markets, it just, it becomes a problem of complexity really quickly. And to make sure, um, you know, and I'll look at clients' websites where it's like, if I don't understand what this is, like your target customer isn't going to either. And you have such a small window of time to make an impression and to be clear about what it is that you do. So I agree that that's totally something that, you know, doesn't require a lot of extra bells and whistles, but is really, really important to get right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, uh, David, thank you so much for your time today. That's all I have for you. And thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Megan. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.